It's Johanna Masca, and on this episode of Press Advance, we are talking about a story that I think a lot of people are missing, which is how the process is shaking out for the Republicans to nominate their candidate for president of the United States. When I worked on the Obama campaign in the 2008 primary, I was stuck on the road for months longer than I thought I would be. I was trying to figure out how to do laundry as we jumped state to state, trying to get enough delegates to keep on the road to the nomination. And that process mattered. Ultimately, it's a key reason that Barack Obama was able to outlast Hillary Clinton for the nomination and win. You see, when you're a presidential candidate or you're part of the candidate's team, you have to think like you're playing a board game to get the outcome you want. And to do that, you have to collect delegates along the way in each state's competition to ultimately win. You see, only right now, for that board game, the rules aren't written. Republicans are still finalizing their rules. And today I'm talking to two guests to break down how that's shaking out and why it favors one candidate, Donald Trump. Sean Spicer is a former White House press secretary and a longtime RNC strategist, and Seema Mehta is a political reporter for the Los Angeles Times who first broke a story about California shaking up its rules. In the state Republicans love to hate, California, on a random Saturday in July, less than 100 of California's GOP executive committee members met to rewrite the rules on delegate distribution. They changed the state's previous rules that had allowed candidates to play in a very expensive state by going congressional district to congressional district to now having a statewide contest. If a candidate gets more than 50 percent, they get all of California's delegates. If they don't, each player will walk away with a proportional number based on vote tallies. And the reason this matters and why California could matter is because of its population. California is a delegate-rich state. If you get California's nearly 200 delegates, you are that much closer to the more than 1,200 you need to win. California votes in the 2024 race early. The election day is March 5th. It's part of Super Tuesday. But because of mail-in and early vote centers, Californians will be voting as early as the early states. These votes... Those of Republicans and those who declare they're Republicans for the primary could seal the deal for Donald Trump or not. I don't think this story is getting nearly enough attention, so I wanted to dig deeper with Seema and Sean. Stick around next week for more of my conversation with Sean Spicer. So Seema, you were at this event in California where they changed the delegate distribution. Tell me about that meeting. Um, Well, it was the meeting of the executive committee, which is uh, 100 members of the the state Republican Party, as opposed to, you know, if you go to a regular convention, you have 1,400 and some delegates. So these are sort of, you know, they're appointees, they're you know, party leaders, et cetera. Basically, like, the state had to change its rules because our primary is taking place on March 5th. And since it's taking place early, relatively early, the RNC has certain rules, including about how you have to award delegates um, in in terms of nominating the the presidential nominee. Our current system did not meet those rules. So they had to make a decision on how they were going to award our delegates. California has 169 delegates to the Republican National Convention. That's the most of any state in the nation. I mean, that's more than so many states combined. So, I mean, it's, you know, the state Republican Party obviously has very little power in California. You know, they haven't elected a, a statewide officer in since 2006. But this is one area where the party does have clout because of its size, because you know, California is so big. You know, I mean, President Trump got, I mean, he got millions of votes here, despite the fact that he lost the state 
hugely, as he would say, um, in 2020. Um, he's still got millions of votes here because there are a ton of Republican voters here just because our population is so big. So can you help me frame out an understanding of how these rules change? State Republicans here wanted to change their um, del- how they awarded delegates to sort of make the state more competitive and to have more candidates come here. So they enacted this rule change in 2000, but it didn't go into effect until after the 2004 election, where they would allocate most of the state's delegates by congressional district, winner take all. So if you won, at that point, we have 53 congressional districts. We have 52 now. But if you won, for each, each of those districts that you won, you would get three delegates. So they didn't have it go into effect until after the 2004 election because they, you know, it was basically like an incumbency protection program for uh, President Bush. But after that, it was, you know, Romney tried to play it a little bit. And he did get some delegates, but it really was not tested. And then in 2016, when President Trump first ran, Senator Cruz, his campaign was sort of trying to do this, but it was too late in the process. The primary was in June. And by the time they sort of started to try to do it, it was really, it was too late. For 2020, the state party momentarily changed their rules, again, as an incumbency protection plan, to basically say it's winner take all. And, you know, obviously President Trump, you know, would win all the delegates, and he did. So, but that rule sunset after that election. If they hadn't done anything, they would have reverted back to the three delegates per congressional district. That ran afoul of RNC rules, which require some sort of proportionality for early states and how you allocate your, your delegates. One plan was to, so now we have 52 congressional districts, um, one plan was to have the first place winner in each district get two delegates and the second place person get one. But that would effectively create like potentially you know, 40, 50 delegates for the second place finisher, it, which is more than so many states have combined. And so it was sort of viewed as an inappropriate consolation prize by some. So they decided to go to, sta- uh, to move it to a statewide proportional. If anybody gets over above 50%, they get all of them. But if, you, if nobody gets above 50%, then they will be awarded proportionally on a, based on the statewide vote. So what I think for the average person, they don't understand, right? You're running for president, and you would think that you know the rules. But actually, it's like you're running for president, and you're playing a board game without the rules fully written. And they're trying to figure out what the rules are by this October deadline that they should know, like, all of the rules for all the states. Right. And they're trying to actively influence the rules in, in many states. And, you know, and, and you wouldn't have to necessarily spend as much money as you would. But, you know, running statewide in California, as you know, is insanely expensive because it's such a big state. It's not like Iowa. You're not like, you know, showing up at coffee shops and, you know, pizza ranches and, you know, just, you know, meeting every voter. Um, it's so big that you have to do television advertising. And that's, and, you know, maybe you'll have some big rallies and like, you know, some of the population centers, but you have to do television advertising. And, and that, you know, that costs millions and millions of dollars a week. And you know, we're on Super Tuesday with more than a dozen other states. So right now, Asa Hutchinson has no money. Very unlikely he could compete in California. But let's say a bunch of people decided to vote for Asa Hutchinson. He got 2% of the vote. Then he would get 2% of the delegates in the state of California if no one hit the 50% threshold. Exactly. Exactly. So tell me about this fight that happened outside of this event where fisticuffs were involved. Because <laughs> I was trying to understand <laughs> what was going on. So yeah, they're all you know sort of marching and yelling, and they have their you know flags and banners and all that. Um, and then this, there's two factions that sort of started just getting into it. So one group called the other group white nationalists, and that group called the other group like open borders backers. And then they got heated and like started, you know, pointing their fingers at each other's faces and sort of jostling and pushing. And, you know, then another group of protesters sort of got between them to stop it from truly getting physical. But it was 
it was bizarre. The vast majority, the vast majority were Trump supporters. So basically, the first, the initial plan, which was the congressional districts, you know, the winner gets two delegates, the second place person gets one. That was really opposed by pro-Trump forces who believed that it was trying to undermine his candidacy and to prop up uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. The state party then changed proposals the prior weekend at the Rules Committee, where they decided to go with this, the, the scenario that they adopted, where if somebody gets 50% plus one, they get all the delegates. And this meeting was closed. It was the people who were making the decision or the 100 members of the executive committee or you know, the number that showed up, which was you know, about two thirds of them. And then delegates were allowed to go in and watch. But the people who showed up and were protesting outside were initially spurred on, you know, this a lot of this happened on social media with like conspiracy theories about how like the state party and its leadership and that they were trying to screw Trump. Then once they got there, they were unhappy. They were protesting, I think, like three main things. One, they wanted this decision to be made at the at the fall convention, which is the last weekend in September, or first weekend in October. But the time the vote would have had to take place would be less than 12 hours before the party has to submit its rules to the RNC. And party officials just argued that that is way too tight of a deadline. Um, so they wanted a floor, so like a minimum threshold to get delegates. They didn't get that. And um, they some of them wanted to go back to the original, you know, the system we had in 2020, which is basically winner take all for whoever wins, you know, even if it's plurality. Um, but that was never really in the cards because of the RNC rule changes. And if the state of California, if the California Republican Party did not make their rules compliant with the national Republican rules, we would have risked losing half our delegates to the Republican nominating convention. You know, the state party does not have a lot of power here. Like, you know, they haven't elected people statewide forever. Their finances aren't you know, fantastic. They've had some success in congressionals. There's a handful of areas where they still have power. One is the fact they have the largest delegation at the RNC of any state in the nation. And number two is um, they have a huge donor committee. So the idea of losing half the state's delegates at the convention, it would be an enormous embarrassment. It would be an, an enormous loss of clout. So they had to align their rules with the national rules. So this year, California has changed the rules such that if if it is more than 50 percent, it could very early set Donald Trump's nomination in process because he picks up all of the state's delegates. If he does not get... Right, 169 delegates. And that is a huge amount. It's huge. You're sitting on a nice, hefty amount of delegates to go into the next states. If he doesn't get 50%, then it is awarded proportionately and it could keep this race going throughout. But the likelihood of that is how likely? Because uh, Donald Trump got 70-some percent uh, the first time. But you're saying it was in June. Yeah, it was so late. Even though Cruz and maybe Kasich were at the state party convention like a month before, I think by the time the election primary actually happened in 2016, I think they had dropped out. So um, although some of the names, I think some, some of the names definitely still appeared on the ballot because I remember Arnold Schwarzenegger voted for John Kasich. I can't remember if he wrote him in or if he checked the box, but I know he voted for John Kasich. Um, so yeah, it was so late. It was irrelevant. This time, it you know, I mean, unless... If President, former President Trump dominates, or if, if any candidate, but you know, more like more likely than not, former President Trump dominates the early states, then it, it could be hard because, again, because the election is now statewide, and very few candidates have the resources to compete statewide, um, it, it could reflect whatever's going on nationally, basically, you know, what based on what happened in the early states, based on what, what's happening nationally in the polls. 
I'm grateful to Seema Mehta for her firsthand account. I wanted to also talk to someone who has experience on the national level, serving not only in the White House under the Trump administration, but as communications director and chief strategist for the Republican National Committee to give us some perspective on the behind-the-scenes delegate math. This is the game, he says. I started by asking Sean Spicer, my guest today, if California just made it easier for the GOP to nominate Donald Trump for a second term to the presidency. Well, it's not just California. I mean, it's multiple states. Uh, There are several states, not several, every state has to have a plan into the RNC by October 1st. They all set minimum thresholds that you have to get in terms of the vote. So 10 percent, 15, 20 percent, et cetera. And they devise other rules that candidates have to meet. So, for example, if the threshold is 10% in Iowa or New Hampshire or wherever, if you don't get 10% of the vote, you get, you're get you not eligible for delegates. So if you think about Iowa right now, the only person eligible for delegates is Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis and no one else. So understanding what's happening and the rules of the game and who they benefit and how it'll play out is crucial. And so for right now, you know, I, I would just say it's not just California, but the Trump campaign sort of under the radar for the last year has been meeting with state parties, talking to them about their rules and what they would, what their thresholds were, what how they would proportion out or make one or take all the delegate structure. And I think I, I tweeted this out the other day, but it's like reporters cover the nomination process, like watching the home run derby and then saying, okay, this is who's going to win the World Series. It's just that's not how the, the games are played and that doesn't matter. And unfortunately, they look at national polls and say, okay, this is who's going to win. That's not how delegates are allocated. And even within the allocation of the states, it's understanding how that state has set up its process. So again, I think where people miss this is it's like anything else. It doesn't matter what you do. There are rules. And if you walk in and say, okay, well, you know, you I mean, even as simple as ordering food at a restaurant, if you walk in and start blabbering at the hostess, here's what I want. I want the chicken tenders and I want, they're going to be like, whoa. That's not how it operates. You get seated, you sit down, you look at the menu, and then you tell us what you want. I, I mean, I walked into a place the other day, and I'm staring like, okay, where is anyone? And finally, this dude looks at me, and he says, hey, there's a QR code on the table. Understanding how the process works <laughs> is how you're going to get the food. It's gotten complicated. How the- yes, how you play the but game. I mean, but the point was, yeah, right, but I was sitting there like looking around like, where is the server? And, and no one's coming by. And finally, this guy goes, hey, dude, you got to look down. There's a QR code on the table. And, but I know that sounds simplistic, but to too many people, they look at a national poll and say, OK, well, Ron DeSantis is fading or Donald Trump. is." And it's like that may be true. But, but the reality is it also doesn't matter. It's how are they doing in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, going into Super Tuesday, et cetera. And um, too many people don't understand the process and the rules. And that's the problem with politics, at least understanding it. I agree. I agree. And the last question, do you think Donald Trump should be the president of the United States this next time around? So here's what I think. And I, I don't mean this make this sound like a cop out because I maybe it's just too many years at the RNC. Here's what I think. I think he's going to win the nomination. I think he's got a really strong chance of beating Joe Biden. But we're way away from a general election, but and things can change. Who knows? But at the end of the day, I, I get tired of people. I mean, this gets back to the previous question. Here are the rules. For the primary, here are the rules for the general in terms of what you need in terms of electorally for the general. And I believe that Donald Trump right now is probably, you know, Joe Biden's the nominee on the Democratic side, barring something, you know, cataclysmic happening. And the only way that Donald Trump isn't the nominee is at a massive script. So then the question is, can he win? And the answer is yes. 
I'm really grateful to Seema Mehta from the LA Times and Sean Spicer, who everybody knows from his time at the podium with President Trump, for joining me today on Press Advance. For all who are following us, you know that we are all about respect, empower, include, meaning we want to hear from you. Please leave us a review. Find me on social media at Johanna Masca and let me know what you want to hear on the next episode of Press Advance.